Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. So we've been talking about decluttering your life and we started with like, you know, declutter your natural life, clean the garage, clean out the closet, you know, organize your life and your thoughts. And then we kind of went on to getting rid of all of the worry, declutter the worry, stop worrying. Has anyone been better with your worry since we talked about that a couple weeks ago? And then last time we were together, we talked about our identity because people get confused on who they are and they don't realize who they are in Christ and who God made them to be. And it kind of ties in closely to, I guess, maybe my introduction today, because when we talk about unforgiveness and forgiveness, these concepts, I find it interesting because unforgiveness is one of the few arenas of our life where we put ourselves in prison to pay for someone else's crime. It's a self-inflicted. Someone else termed it, um, you're going to drink poison and expect the other person to die. But it has to do with releasing negative feelings, ill will, and hatred giving up your right to be angry and bitter and seek revenge, especially for the wrongs done to you. It's something that is freely given. You can't demand forgiveness and you can't even earn forgiveness. It's something that's a free gift that God gives to all of us. In the scripture that they read a little bit earlier today, and I referenced it even in the baptism conversation, you know, it talked about we have to forgive others as Christians. It's not really an option. You need to understand, forgiveness is not an option if you call yourself a Christian. It's a command. It's a lifestyle. It's a way that we live. And hopefully before we're done today, I'll be able to give you um, some tips and tricks on how to do that better. Ha ha. Okay. In Colossians 3, 1 to, oh, 13, that's the one that I was referencing. If you do not forgive, here's what I want to get to. It will lead to bitterness in your own heart that will destroy you from within. So your lack of ability to forgive will actually hurt you. It affects you. It destroys you. It brings you down, and it prevents you from rising above. My first, I guess, point would be unforgiveness can often become your identity. And I know we touched on identity last week, but see, when unforgiveness becomes your identity, what it does is you begin to see your world through a lens, actually a really dark lens. You begin to see people through the lens of your own experience, and suddenly what happens is people who have nothing to do with what happened to you or the person who wronged you suddenly start looking like the person who wronged you. And you start reacting and treating people emotionally in relationship because of the unforgiveness that's in your heart, it becomes your identity. And you tend to isolate and your world will become very small. It'll prevent you from rising above. It'll prevent you from being all that God has called you to be. It'll prevent you from completing your mission or your purpose or your assignment that God has for you here on this life. And too many times people get into unforgiveness and they get stuck. And I've seen people that 30 years later they're still living like someone hit pause 30 years ago. 
And as they continue to rehearse the things that happened to them and continue to go over the things that happened to them, every time they tell the story, it gets a little bit worse and a little bit worse and a little bit worse and a little bit worse. This is going to create some serious problems for us as people. Your offense with the one who hurt you becomes an offense against others. And here's the kicker. Eventually, the people around you get tired of hearing about it. You keep rehearsing the same offense over and over again, people don't want to hear it anymore. You think that helps you make friends? You're fooling yourself. Your world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. People don't want to come around. They don't want to call you. They want to talk to you. They, want to, they, don't, want to, they don't care. There comes a point where you've got to get over it. Now, hopefully before I'm done talking, before y'all shout me down, <laughs> just get over it. Counseling 101, admit it, quit it. <laughs> get out of my office. <laughs> before you get upset with me, I'll give you some tools and some concepts to help you walk through the pain, because the pain is very real. All right. C.S. Lewis, in The Weight of Glory, he said this, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. This is hard. It is perhaps not so hard to forgive a single person great injury, but to forgive the incessant provocations of daily life. To keep on forgiving the bossy mother-in-law, the bullying husband, the nagging wife, the selfish daughter, the deceitful son. How can we do it? Only I think by remembering where we stand, by meaning our words when we say our prayers each night, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We are offered forgiveness on no other terms. To refuse is to refuse God's mercy for ourselves. And here's the kicker. When you come to the place where you release others, you actually help them. Because what you're doing is you're allowing God to do what God does best, work in the situation. Often we feel that we can do it better than God. Don't, don't fool you. you do this because what happens is if you think you can do it better than God, you won't forgive. Because as long as you're standing there trying to exact revenge and punish the person, God will say, hey, have at it. Go ahead. I'm not going to touch it. You're, you're, you're doing a great job. But when we get out of the way, God will say, you want me to handle this? Okay. Now, what about this? Who do you think is going to be better at handling justice, the one who breathed the universe into existence, or us and our limited human wisdom, reasoning, and finite mind? You think? <laughs> but often we feel that we can do a better job than him, so we don't let things go. We hold on to it. Doesn't it say in Romans 12, 19, amplified version, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave the way open for God's wrath. Catch this, and his judicial righteousness. For it's written in Scripture, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. Years ago, I had a conversation with a lawyer at a wedding. It was a friend of mine getting married, and we were at this table, and this lawyer came in. And he, he was an older man who was quite experienced in his law career. And I'll never forget through the course of the conversation, and, and he asked me questions, so I answered his question, and then I asked him a question, and he answered my question, and the conversation kind of progressed 
And then at some point, I switched the conversation to God's moral law. And then the culture's law, the rule of law with this case-based law that we have that isn't working clearly. And how you can't legislate morality and how only God can change a heart. And I remember at the end of the conversation, his summary was, Young man, you remind me a lot of myself when I was young. I had ambition and desire, but it seems that life just beat me down and I just conformed to the world system. I just conformed to the norms of society and culture and I just accepted things. But see, when I think about that, I'm like, you know what? We were made to reform. God came to reform the earth. I mean, the earth fell under the law of sin and death in the garden. And from then, creation has been drifting away from God. Jesus came to start bringing things back into order. And any culture that denies the deity of Christ is going to ultimately end up far from him. But Jesus came to make a way for humanity. He came to make a way of freedom. And it goes opposite of what you hear sometimes, but... I'm going to tell you, even science is starting to back up. The research is starting to back up what I'm about to tell you. Unforgiveness will affect your health. John Hopkins, right from their website, right from their website, I'm going to read this. It says, studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels and sleep, reducing pain, blood pressure, and levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. Research points to an increase in forgiveness, health connection as you age. You want to be healthier? Forgive. Unforgiveness will start rotting your body from the inside out. I knew a lady who's dead now, but she, she had adopted this young girl, and the young girl kind of got pregnant out of wedlock, and she got upset with her and said, I will never forgive you. And in a matter of two years, she went from healthy semi-pro tennis player to crippled with arthritis. And she lived the rest of her days crippled by debilitating arthritis. I think when she died, she had more fake joints in parts of her body than actual parts that were originally there, like plastic knuckles and hips and joints and stuff. But the bitterness, it dried up her bones and it rotted her from the inside out. And you know what? Her life became smaller and smaller and smaller over time. Do you know that of all cancer patients, 61% have forgiveness issues? That's research. And of those, more than half are severe, according to the research by Dr. Michael Berry. I find that interesting. In Psalms 147.3, it says, He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. God will put bandages on your wounds and he'll heal the broken heart. But if you have bitterness and unforgiveness, that is not an environment where God can work. You know, band-aids are great for covering a wound to allow it a chance to heal so you don't keep ripping it open. But if it's infected, you need something else. How many know this to be true? If you have an infected wound, you can't just put a band-aid on it and hope it gets better. You need at least some antibiotic balm or maybe some antibiotics, right, to kill the infection. I may not be the smartest boy, but I know that much. But see, your emotions are toxic and affected. You have these infections in your mind and you have these affections in your emotion and you need the Holy Spirit to come in. 
but a lot of them are rooted in unforgiveness. And if you would just forgive, you would get rid of the infection because the Holy Spirit will do the work to get rid of the negative things attached to the unforgiveness in your life. Now, I'm just talking about health stuff right now, not including what it does to your emotions, what it does to your spirit, but it puts your body in a state of constant stress. Now, this is dangerous. I mean, some people call it the fight or flight. There's, there's another term, they call it acute stress, okay? But when your body is in that mode, constant stress, I mean, it's designed for the crisis, right? You're about to go to war, you're about to fight someone, all of a sudden your digestive system starts shutting down. Why? Because you need more energy, adrenaline in your system so that you can fight to live. But when you stay in that state all the time, and there's lots of hormones that get released. I'm not going to try to name them all. Not my specialty. But I know cortisol is not good. <laughs> it's good for a short term, but... Long term, it's not good in your system. You don't want a constant dose of it in your system. It has all kinds of negative health effects. One of them is you tend to gain weight. And, and while I'm there, um, I saw this warning for shampoo that's full body. Because when you're in the shower and the shampoo goes down, it creates full body for men over time. You have to be really careful. Okay, I'll keep my day job. <laughs> Coincidentally, I bought an elliptical finally. Now I just got to get it into the basement so I can use it. <laughs> I'm actually thrilled about that. <laughs> so um, Mikey was at first service. I gave him a little bit of a hard time. Uh, but he, uh, Friday night I called him and his wife was over doing something in the US. So he's like, I got nothing to do. I'm like, perfect, bring your truck. We're gonna bring the elliptical to my house. So Mike and I got it in the garage. I'll be calling on some of my other friends to carry it downstairs later. But I picked on him a little bit last week because of his Green Bay Packers who aren't playing tonight. <laughs> you know, 53 millionaires sitting around in Wisconsin watching the Super Bowl. <laughs> Green Bay Packers. Um, see, Rob... I told you I'd call you guys out a little bit, but you know what? It's a great opportunity for operating forgiveness. I have the mic, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to put our body in a state of constant stress, so my suggestion is if we obey God and we forgive, um, we'll do much better for our health. Um, however, I believe our drama team is going to do a great job demonstrating this for all of you now with order in the court. Miss Tyler, you are accused of hoarding. <laughs> I plead not guilty. How do you deal with the clutter in your life? Clutter? I wouldn't call it that. No? What would you call it? Labels. That's all this world ever wants to do is label everything. Well, I'll tell you something. I am not going to take part in this madness. Order in the court. You will refrain from all such outbursts. Fine. I have some stuff, but everybody has stuff. All right. Stuff. How do you deal with stuff? I just close the door and I forget about it. So you have a tendency to store up stuff instead of getting rid of it? 
Look, is that I, not hoarding? I will get rid of it. Tomorrow it's really not a big deal. Tomorrow is a day that never comes. You have stuff from eons ago that is of no value to you. Miss Tyler, from what I can see here, you are a hoarder. Honestly, I am not. I'd like to take a closer look at some of this stuff. Oh, come on, seriously, come on. Order. Really, this is absolutely necessary. I said order. Listen, that's my personal stuff and you have no right digging Tyler, it up. sit down. This is a place of order, whether you like it or not. Now, let me be perfectly clear. If you want to restore order in your life, I suggest you allow these proceedings to continue without further disruptions. Now, let's see here. I have a statement from Cliff. My name's Cliff. And Pam and I, we go way back. I mean, way back. <laughs> Man, we had some good times, I'm telling you. She was a lot of fun hanging out with, you know? <laughs> she sure was a great catch. But times change. People change. And a lot more fish start swimming, you know what I mean? <laughs> New fish, <laughs> fresh fish. <laughs> and I like me some fresh fish. So I threw her back. Catch and release, baby. <laughs> Catch and release. He was an idiot, a first-class idiot. And he can die and go to hell for all I care. Order. Now I have a statement here from your coworker. Yes, I knew Pam. She sat across from me. She did her job for most of the part, but she was never a team player. She would constantly be in a lot of trouble and would never cover anyone, never. She was one of those goody-two-shoes. So when one of our major accounts was lost, we as a team unanimously decided who was going to take the fall. And why not? You never needed us. They single-handedly ruined my career on all of their lies. They ruined it! Please stop. Just, just stop, okay? And just let me go. Honestly, I'm not the one holding you here, am I? So, I'm free to go? You can go, but you won't be free. From what I can see here, you have an excessive accumulation of unforgiveness. And you've clearly demonstrated over the past 15 years that you have a very difficult time getting rid of any of it. This stuff is cluttering up your mind, your will, and your emotions. You can't think clearly or move forward. And you're very sensitive. I believe it's time to restore some order in your life. I don't know how. Let me take care of it for you. Leave it with me. 
You can do that? Yeah, I can do more than you could think or imagine. Will you leave it with me? Yes. Good. Then you're to go. Thank you. You have a great day, Miss Tyler. Matthew 18, starting in verse 21. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars he couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the, mom fell down, uh, but the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me, I will pay it all. His master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. This is what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Unforgiveness will affect your relationship with God. It will cause you to be separated from him. But let's go back. How much of your sin did God forgive you of? All of it? How many believe all of it? If he forgave you of all of your sin, what's the price on that? You couldn't have paid it off in a thousand lifetimes. You weren't qualified. You weren't able. You weren't good enough. Everyone likes hearing that. You really weren't good enough to pay the debt of sin. But Jesus paid it all. He paid off all the debt of our sin. And then he tells us that we need to be like him and forgive others. Let it go. Release. And so many times, we don't want to follow his command to forgive others. And that creates a lot of problems for us. Because essentially, it makes your world smaller and smaller and smaller. Rose Sweet wrote an article about why do we find it so hard to forgive. And she says, often, we think we understand forgiveness, but we don't. And she thinks that when you forgive someone, it lets them go scot-free without consequence. And the truth is, we have to understand that forgiveness is not letting the offender off the hook. You still hold people accountable for their actions or their lack of actions. That's not the issue. Forgiveness is returning to God the right to take care of justice. So see, back to this again. When you get out of the way, God can get involved. And oftentimes, we think that we can do the job better than him in judging others. But why not let the creator get involved and take care of justice? His righteous rule, his righteous justice, because he is righteous, so he will produce righteousness. 
Forgiveness is not letting the offense occur again and again and again. That means you don't put yourself in a situation where they can keep taking advantage of you or hurting you. Does not mean we have to be the victim. Again, people who take on this identity, they become victims and everywhere they go, people take advantage of them, people make fun of them, people hurt them, people mistreat them. It's not the same as reconciling. Because see, forgiveness has to do with your attitude in your heart towards the individual where you come to the place where you wish them well. I wish you well. You don't have to like them, but I wish you well. Reconciliation is different because that's bringing the two back together in relationship. But they're different. Two separate things. Forgiveness is a process, not an event. That means you can forgive someone today and you might have to forgive them again tomorrow and again next week and again next month and the day after that and the week after that. Because sometimes it comes up again and sometimes it comes up again and when it comes up again, you have to be able to release it again and again. But you don't know what they did to me. It doesn't matter what they did to you. You still got to release it. You still got to let it go. You still got to come to the place where in your heart, you're going to act like Jesus wants you to and you're going to let it go. You have to forgive every time. It's not optional. It's not based on others' actions, but our attitude. Do you know that even if they don't repent to you, you still have to forgive them? Some people will never apologize to you. They'll never own their stuff for their wrong behavior. Withholding forgiveness is a refusal to let go of perceived power. You think you have power over them when you hold on to unforgiveness. They want to make you pay. I see this in marriages sometimes when people are struggling in marriage where one wants this and the other one wants this, but neither one of them will give the other one what they want. So in order to punish each other, they try to withhold <laughs> what they shouldn't. <laughs> they withhold relationship. I'm not going to forgive you of that. They think they're holding it over their head, making the other one suffer. When you refuse to forgive, the primary person that you are hurting is yourself. Top line and bottom line. You know, it doesn't mean forgetting, but it does mean it starts with a mental decision. You start by making a mental decision. I'm going to let this go. In Mark 11:25, the Bible says, but when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. See, when we are praying, if we want our prayers to be heard, we have to operate in forgiveness. Husbands and wives especially, you need to operate in forgiveness. While we're there, there's some things that don't need to be forgiven. What? Personality differences and differences of opinion are not a forgiveness issue because it's not a moral issue. When there's a moral harm done to someone, that requires forgiveness. But just because I disagree with you on your opinion, that doesn't require for forgiveness. I see this with husbands and one thinks this, one thinks this, and it's not a I have to go ask for forgiveness issue. It's a learning to respect one another's different point of view and trying to work through that together. Or how about, have you ever met someone that's maybe just a little bit naturally clumsy? You know, teenagers, when they grow real quick, they have a hard time fitting into their big body. So you end up with a whole bunch of stubbed toes and spilled water cups and different things like that from time to time. Some of you still haven't got to the place where you've kind of figured out that coordination thing. That's okay. <laughs> but you don't want to penalize someone just because they're a little bit uncoordinated or less coordinated than you. That's not a forgiveness issue. Are, are you catching this? Because sometimes people get really self-righteous. Look how holy I am and how dare you. 
Maybe if you would lighten up on others, you'd have a little bit less judgment in your own life. Brad Hambrick talks about the emotion of forgiveness, and here's what I want to kind of lead you to. The context of forgiveness is always hurt. So if forgiveness is necessary, there's some hurt that's taken place, okay? Someone has sinned against you or you've sinned against someone and now forgiveness has to come forth. But hurt is an experience. It doesn't ever remove itself. That means hurt doesn't just go away with time. It doesn't get better with time. Actually, usually it gets worse. So unless you're intentionable, 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 unless you're intentionable about working through the hurt in your life, it's not going anywhere. Justice is not erase history or emotion. And you see this all the time when people get sentenced and the family of the one that was the victim is there and you talk to them after and they're like, yeah, it didn't quite work out how I thought it was gonna. Justice doesn't erase what happened. It doesn't erase the emotion of it. God is just, he'll bring forth justice. But repentance doesn't erase what happened either. You know, your child can be sorry that they broke the $10 million Ming Dynasty vase, but it doesn't undo the fact that it's broken. It's a $10 million pile of scrap now. (laughs) But if you've listened to Pastor Larry's message, I can't remember what it's called, Kitsumi? There's a Japanese art where they take the gold. Kitsumi? Kitsuki? Kitsuki, yeah. And they put the pieces back together and it's more beautiful when it's repaired. But that's what God does with our broken lives. He puts the pieces back together. But repentance can't help with emotion. You know, when people repent to you for their wrong behavior, it can't help you <laughs> process it a little bit better. Forgiveness means something must die. Usually... <laughs> your desire to want to get back at them. (laughs) Gotta die. But you know, you can choose who you send to the cross or what you send to the cross. Because when someone's offended me, I have to go and take them and put them at the foot of the cross and say, you know what, Jesus? I'm going to leave them with you. Because I'm not going to solve this. I'm going to release them. I'm going to release them to your keeping and you can deal with this however you feel is just. And through forgiveness, you're also reminded of a peace that's greater than your pain. And too many people are in turmoil, and they don't receive peace, but they're also in unforgiveness. You can never forgive more than you've been forgiven. It's not so much something you learn, it's a truth that you have to learn to experience, that you experience. It becomes a revelation to you. And that leads me to this next part here. And... If you had a chance to grab a communion element when you came in, if you didn't, raise your hands. And you can all stand with me. I want to read this verse also. In Matthew 5, 21 to 24, you have heard that our ancestors was told, were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. 
There's some of you standing here today and you're very uncomfortable as I'm talking about forgiveness today. You're squirming. You're not liking the conversation. But my question is, what's going on inside of you right now? Because some of you can relate to the one that threw you away or abandoned you or betrayed you. Jesus was betrayed. He can relate to you. Some of you are in your pride, you know, you walked in and you thought, I'm so glad I'm not like all these other people. I read my Bible seven times this week and prayed every day. I gave my 10% tithe plus another 10% to the poor because I'm so holy and I'm so much better than everyone else is. I volunteered for two positions in the church this week, not just one. You can't earn it, man. You can't. And we have to stop the judgment, the judgment of others, putting ourselves in a place where we think we're better than others. The cross is the great equalizer. You know, and some of you, you're horrified at this message because it means you have to let go of something that's shaped who you've become. And almost every decision you make is in light of something that happened to you at some point in your journey, sometime in the past. But if you just let it go, God will heal you. God will restore you to wholeness. You'll be able to see 2020 again. Because too many are looking through a dark lens and the world is out to get you and you feel overwhelmed on every side and you feel like you're never gonna dig your way out of this and nobody likes you and nobody cares and life just sucks. But if there's unforgiveness in your heart, it's making your world smaller. You gotta let it go because the bitterness is gonna eat you from within. It's gonna affect your health. It's gonna affect your mental health. It's gonna affect your relationship with God. We have to come to the place where we release it and let it go. And you know what? I heard a lady say, man, people do horrible things to one another. They do. People do horrible things to one another. Ever since the garden, when the law of sin and death entered earth, People have done horrible things to one another. But Jesus came to break the curse. Jesus came to break the cycle. And we don't have to go out and do horrible things to one another. We can choose to walk in love like God has called us to. But you have to come in the place in your life where you let it go. Maybe your husband or wife walked out on you. Maybe they betrayed you. Maybe God didn't answer your prayer like you think he's supposed to and you have a little bit of anger towards him because it didn't work out like you thought it was supposed to. There's thousands of people all over that are angry at God because he didn't answer their prayer how they thought he was supposed to. Interesting. Some of you are pretty angry at yourselves and you've actually looked in the mirror and said, I'll never forgive you. You actually have a hard time looking yourself in the eye because of the shame that you carry for the things that you've done. Do you not understand why Jesus came to earth to bring freedom? You want to receive forgiveness, release forgiveness. And when you release forgiveness, you receive forgiveness. But too many choose to stay bound and their world gets smaller and smaller. I talked to a man after the first service. He kept trying to tell me all the things that were going wrong and all the things people did. I told him, I said, sir, you're in bitterness. If you don't lay it down, nothing's going to change. 
You can blame everybody and everything and everyone for the things that are going on in your life right now. But what you can take responsibility for is your attitude towards the people that have done wrong to you. And when you align yourself with God's plan for your life and you align yourself as a Christian and you start operating in the kingdom with forgiveness and release it, God will change your world and things will look different because you're going to change that dark lens to a light lens and you're going to have hope again. There's a lot of people that have broken relationships right now at this very moment. There's many, your kids won't even talk to you or you won't even talk to your parents or husbands or wives are estranged. There's brothers and sisters that can't even sit in the same room. There's so much hatred and division. Some of you go into work and you feel like you're going to war. But if you're wearing this cloak of, I'm a victim and you don't know what they did to me, after a while people get tired of it and then you wonder why they're rejecting you, which is the very thing that you don't want, but you're creating that by your attitude. So here's where it comes down to. We're at the Lord's Supper. We're at the Lord's table. This is our covenant meal, man. This is where it all revolves around the covenant. He went to the cross for you. But are you going to be obedient to the call of God on your life, and are you going to release it? So what I want to do is I want to open up the altar. And if you need to release someone... Maybe yourself. If you've got some unforgiveness that's lingering in a dark corner of your heart and you're really struggling with surrendering it to God, I'm going to tell you, come to the altar. It's a place where you can let it die. And when you let that wrong attitude die, God can resurrect your life and you'll never be the same. So there's many of you that need to come down and have a conversation with God. And I'm going to pray in a second, but I want to open it up so you can come down. Just come out of your chairs. It's okay. You can be brave. Be bold. Don't worry about the others. If there's something lingering in your heart, the betrayal, the ones that hurt you, the things that were said to you, spoken over you, the one who ripped you off, there's one that's hot right now. Someone got ripped off and you're angry. Let it go. Let God handle that situation. You'll find freedom and peace. But until you do, you're going to be in lots of trouble. Some of you are sick because you're bitter. Your body's not working like it's supposed to because it's drying up from the inside because you've cut off the source of life. This is your moment for freedom. This is the time that God has ordained for people to release the burden and lay it down. Father, as we look at the bread in our hand that represents your brokenness that made a way for us to be whole, I thank you that we, your people, can release forgiveness. Father, despite our hurt and our pain and our fear, we're going to let it go today. And we're going to put it in your hands and if the emotion comes up tomorrow, Father, we're going to put it in your hands again tomorrow because we want true freedom in Christ. So we choose to take on your nature and to operate in love, even to those that have hurt us horribly. Even those that have mistreated us, we're going to operate in love. 
And Father, I ask you to help those that are angry with themselves to release themselves. Receive forgiveness now and peace. And Lord, those that are angry at you for all the reasons they have, help them to realize how good you are and how much you love them and how you've got them right in the palm of your hand right now in Jesus' name. And the blood of Jesus is powerful. It was shed for forgiveness of sin, yours and mine. But it also enables us to release others. So Father, as people here today has an act of their free will, released bitterness, anger, rage, and unforgiveness, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you're going to flood them now with your love and peace that your joy will be complete in their lives and that you're even working to heal the bodies, that the natural is aligning with the supernatural and freedom is coming right now and peace. Lord, I thank you that you can help us to walk this out day by day by your grace and for your glory. So we release forgiveness, we receive forgiveness, and we thank you for the covenant we have with you in Jesus' name. So I want to encourage all of you, quick to forgive. God bless you all. Have a safe week. We'll see you next time.